What's up, bitches? This is Morgan. And what's up, bitches? This is Sierra. And this is Bitches, bitches and Murders. Maybe we got it. Maybe we didn't. I don't know. You know, honestly, I'm about to just start going back and, uh, <laughs> like, just cutting it and re-recording it if we don't get it right. <laughs> just like, oh, no, no. No, we're just going to fix that and pretend like we got it right. Oh, my God. I literally had to do that in my... Uh, the episode we did before this, uh, my audio got lost, and so I had to go back and re-record <laughs> all of my parts, having no no clue what I said the first time, and then that piece it all together. So cursed, and if you guys hate it, then that's too bad, because we're think, not doing that again. I, th- I think it turned out pretty good, actually. Um, but, I believe in you. Because I had a chance to like go back, too, and like I could keep listening to my audio as I was going to like make sure that the audio sounded good. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of a plus, even though it was like a huge pain in the ass. But like, <laughs> but I, I I like did the bitches and murders thing, and of course it sounded good because I'm re-recording it as I want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm just like I hear myself like faking, like oh yeah, I think that one was good this time, and I'm just mm-hmm. like I hate myself. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I don't I don't have any I don't have any housekeeping. Um, Neither do I. I just uh, well, let's talk about a man. Let's talk about a man who sucks. Usually, what we talk about on an, on this <laughs> podcast, unfortunately, it's a whole mood. Uh, it's about a couple of guys who suck, but well, one guy in particular. Oh, um, good. So we are going to talk about Adolfo Constanzo today. That's a fucking name. Yep, and he he's from Florida. He's a Florida man. Oh come on. He was born in uh, Miami, Florida, to Julia Aurora Gonzalez, um, who was a Cuban immigrant who had immigrated over from my... Oh, sorry. She was a Cuban immigrant, and he was born in 1962. I don't know why I wrote that sentence like that. I wrote a Cuban immigrant in 1962, like she immigrated in 1962. But I was talking about him being born. Anyways, that's a good start. Um, she was only 15 when she gave birth. Wow, strike two. <laughs> so, which means she was likely, not not necessarily, but likely she was only 14 when she was impregnated. Oh, I thought you were going to point out that she was more than likely raped. I wasn't even thinking about the age. Oh, no, that was just implied. <laughs> <laughs> just implied information. Um, she ended up having three children all together. Um, all three had different fathers. Um, she moved to San Juan, Puerto Rico after her first husband died and she ended up getting remarried there. Um, they were born and raised Catholic, um, and Adolfo even served as an altar boy for a while. But, uh... (laughs) While he was serving as an altar boy, he was also going sexually his... assaulted. Honestly, probably. Was that? Probably. I'm sorry. Was that another one of those implied things? <laughs> Honestly, because I don't. Mom was I didn't 15 know when sure, she, but... or yeah, 15 when she gave birth. So it's implied that she was raped. He was an altar boy, so it's implied that he was raped. I see the pattern here. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying the quiet part out loud, Sierra. <laughs> Some, some people are slow. You got to spell it out. Um, he was also accompanying his mother to Haiti to learn about voodoo. 
at the same time. So, like, I can't imagine what was going on in this poor boy's head. Being an altar boy, but then also, like, learning about voodoo? Like, that those feels conflicting. Yeah. I mean, one of my friends, her parents wouldn't let her hang out with anybody that was Catholic because they said that Catholic was just paganism with extra steps. So I like, get it. Maybe like it wasn't healthy. that convoluted? I don't know. I mean, and it's not like, wrong. Voodoo and, like, other, you know, religions like that, or whatever you want to call them, ritual practices, I feel like it's not really, like, a religion, necessarily. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, I mean, those do share, like, some similarities, usually, with Christianity and Catholicism, because, like, white people came over to colonize these people, uh, and missionaries and shit, but, like, still... poor boy's head um his family returned to miami in 1972 and his stepfather her second husband um passed away pretty recently after that um which left them actually with like a little bit of money from like his life insurance and his bank accounts and stuff Mm -hmm. um so as a teenager he Sorry, this sentence was harder to say out loud than I thought it was going to be. As a teenager, he became apprenticed to a local sorcerer. I'm sorry. Yeah, you heard me. You heard me. Hold on. Are we talking about a case or are we laying out like a D&D episode? What is happening? It kind of feels like that. Um, This dude was involved with a religion called Palo Mayombi. Sorry if I say that wrong. But, uh, We're not going to gloss over the fact that you just said to me that this man was an apprentice to a sorcerer. And they would do animal sacrifice together. What? Yeah. There's no way this is real. Yeah, it definitely, like, from what I understand, like, and someone feel free to educate me about this. I would love to know more about this. I think it's interesting. Um, but I feel like this is kind of like an offshoot of voodoo. It's kind of like the vibe I got from it. Um, but like, you know, with like the animal sacrifice and stuff like that, kind of like going a little bit farther. And I don't think people who practice voodoo call themselves sorcerers uh, yeah. necessarily, but you know, this took a left turn so fast and we're not <laughs> even to the murdery bits. Like this is, just, this I know, just usually took a talk wild left turn. later. <laughs> This feels like the puberty ghost all over again. Um, So his mom remarried um, and his new, new stepfather um, was also involved in, uh, you know, Palo Mayombi. And he was also a drug dealer. Fun. Um, Both Costanzo and his mother had been arrested numerous times uh, for a variety of crimes, including theft, vandalism, shoplifting. Um, He did end up graduating from high school, uh, and then he went to, like, a prep school is kind of like a, you know, kind of like a community college type of deal, like a boarding school type of deal after high school, but he was expelled from there pretty quickly. As, as one does, um... Yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm not, I'm not surprised. Um, so as an adult, he moved to Mexico City, and he met the Three Stooges, we can call them. Um, I thought you meant the legit Three Stooges, and I was like, <laughs> what? I guess it was in the right time period. No, no, no. Uh, he met his three accomplices slash uh, his three followers. Idiots. <laughs> Literally. Um, Martin Quintana, 
Jorge Montez and Omar Orea. Um, they started to run a profitable business. Um, I'm sorry. All I can picture in my brain is Encanto, and he's just like, my name is Jorge. I make the speckle. <laughs> I forgot about that part until you said that. It lives rent-free in my brain. Um. So do you want to know what their business was? No, but you're going to tell me. Um, so he took on the business of, like, I guess it's probably, like, inspired by his religion. Like, I didn't get a, like, specification if, like, it was voodoo or if it was the Palomayombe or, like, what exactly it was that he was basing this on. But they would do, like, spells for people. Um, most commonly to, like, you know, bring good luck. Because people are, like, you know, they're superstitious, superstitious you know. Um, so they would sacrifice chickens, goats, snakes. And are you ready for this? No. Do you want to know what else they sacrificed at one point? No. A zebra and some lion cubs. Where the fuck did Don't they ask. get a zebra? <laughs> like, I have no, no idea. Hold on. Where the ever-living fuck did they get a zebra and a lion to do an animal sacrifice for? I mean, like, it what? is Mexico City. What? That did, no, like that clarifies nothing. Neither of those animals are native to that area. But there's a bunch of cartel and stuff in that area. So, like, you can get pretty the much anything The cartel deals in money. drugs and not black market animal trade. I've been dealing a little bit of everything. You're not giving them enough credit. Ma'am. There are definitely a lot of exotic animal dealers. Like, it is not as hard as you think. Would I do it and do I have the money for it? Absolutely not. But, like, it's not as hard as you think. There's, like, plenty of people who run underground, like, abusive zoos for that reason. Like, roadside uh, zoos. That totally reminded me. It's way too early for a palate cleanser, but it's fine. Um, Somebody t- stole two Galapagos turtles from the zoo that we went to. How? <laughs> Did you just stick them in your pocket? Put them under your hoodie for later? Like, I don't... <laughs> like, I feel like it would have to be someone who worked there, right? They don't like, know. Who else would have access? They have no fucking idea. Like, you don't have cameras? Like, I refuse to believe that the zoo does not have cameras on, like, every single area, like, 24-7. Yeah, so I, like, I talked to one of the workers, because I was like, ma'am, I have additional questions. Because, like, I'm thinking, like, full-grown Galapagos turtle. Tortoise, yeah, I mean, which that's is what like I would think of. 600 pounds. I'm like, how the fuck did you smuggle one, not two out of here? No, um, apparently it was the babies, which makes it sadder, but also more plausible because those are only like 30 to 40 pounds, depending on how old they were. Right. But it's still just like, but I feel like it still would have to be someone who worked there. Two of them out of there. Yeah, like that, that feels like a, like a, like a, like a theft in, like, a movie. Like, how many people had to be involved for you to get away with this? Like, It's just a bad heist. Heist was the word I was thinking of. I got you. Uh, yeah, I don't know if the person is listening, but, like, on the off chance that you're the person that stole the tortoises, can you maybe, like, put those back where you got them from? Please? Like, now? Thank you. <laughs> like, I, I'm confused. Anywho. Now that I'm done with my tangent, I needed to get that out of my brain. <laughs> I, d- I don't blame you. Uh, it makes about as much sense as everything else that's happened so far. Yeah, it felt pretty uh, on topic with 
fucking zebra sacrifices to an unidentified god. What? So, um, a lot of his clients were very, like, they were members of the cartel. Like, they were very rich drug dealers. Um, and they liked that he would, not only, like, would he sacrifice these animals and, like, do, you know, rituals that they thought would help with the good luck and prosperity, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, he was particularly aggressive and violent about the way that he would sacrifice the animals. Um, and people <sighs> liked that. They liked that a lot. People with a lot of money. Um, he also attracted other rich members of Mexican society. Um, there was like some known like corrupt policemen, like the tops of the cartels, like it's it's a whole it's a whole thing, but particularly the Gulf cartel. You know, just when I thought that this can't get any worse, it just keeps taking real aggressive left turns. So by this point, um, Costanzo and his three stooges have kind of gone past the point where they're running a business um, and have kind of gotten to the point where they're running a cult. Um, as more and more people and more and more money came in, a lot more followers came in, and it, it, and it became to the point where literally he, he was running a cult. Um, so he had started to raid graveyards for human bones, um, so he could use those in, like, his rituals and stuff. Um, but soon the cult decided that the spirits of the dead would be stronger if they did live human sacrifices instead of stealing people's bones out of a graveyard. So... That that's what we're gonna talk about today. <laughs> that's terrible karma, but okay. Um, so I'll kind of very briefly touch on, and then we're gonna we're just gonna go in a different direction. Um, but all of this together, the 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 cult and this need, I say in the heaviest quotation marks possible, um, for stronger spirits and live human sacrifices, ended up in the murder of twenty people. Or more. There's 20 people that we know about, for sure. <laughs> what? Um, whose mutilated bodies would be found in and around Mexico City. Um, and what we're going to skip to is we're actually going to skip to the end, and we're going to talk about the very final murder that they did in 1989. Um, because... They start killing, and they're killing, and they're killing, and it really ramps up to this final murder. Because Costanzo makes the decision, they've been murdering Mexicans, obviously, you know, the people around them, local people, um, until he decides that they need the brain of an American. They want an American. So, that's where we're going to start. Why did we just take another aggressive left turn? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I was like, it uh he he's a weird guy. We will uh we'll get more into it later, but he He's he's not a, a, a good guy. Like no. like for, for for some context as well. Um so he, he believes he's magical, right? Like, he is the leader of this cult. Like, he is seen as, like, a magical figure. 
Well, yeah, when you apprentice under a sorcerer, how can you not be? Exactly. I'm glad you understand. <laughs> what? <laughs> um. So, like, he was so embroiled in this delusion. Like, he genuinely thought that he was the reason that the cartels were successful. Like, these rich clients that he was working with, like, he completely deluded himself into believing that, like, his rituals were the reason that they were so rich and powerful. Um, to the point where he demanded to become a full business partner with uh, one of the most powerful families that he knew. Um, they said no, obviously, because he's fucking delusional. Like, they're like, we like the rituals. Like, we're, you know, we're superstitious. We like that. But, like, you're not the reason mm-hmm. that we're rich. Like, we were rich before we knew you. Like, what are you talking about? Um... So to respond to this, uh, seven people in their family disappeared. Seven. God damn. Uh, we found them later on. Uh, their bodies were like found with fingers, toes, ears, brains, and even the spines missing from the bodies. Like clearly, they had been extensively tortured before they were mutilated. Yeah, those are weirdly specific parts to take. So, this this happens. He ends up meeting this girl named Sarah Aldretti, um, and she becomes the high priestess of the cult. He makes her second in command, and he was like, you know what, it's your job to supervise all of my followers while I'm dealing with, like, the drug dealing and the smuggling and trafficking he was doing. He was kind of like, let me run the business side and then like you can take care of the followers. Um, so in 1988, he moves out to Rancho Santa Elena, which is a house in the middle of the fucking desert, <laughs> which is perfect for someone who wants to sadistically, ritually murder people. Um, can, can the Cindy Hindis of the world stop? Just stop yeah i think it's it's terrifying because it's like any man we see in power like this like absolutely delusional men in power there's always women behind them that like end up doing like a majority of the legwork yeah like fucking stop 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 (laughs) stop enabling your serial killer husbands okay so, we're going to talk about Mark James Kilroy, who is the final victim of this whole cult that nonsense. A name. <laughs> so, he was born March 5th of 1968 in Chicago. Um, his parents were James William Kilroy, who was a chemical engineer, and Helen Josephine Kilroy, who was a paramedic. Wow. Um, they had moved to Texas from the Midwest after their son was born, and he grew up in Santa Fe, Texas, which is like just outside of Houston, um, for the first 15 years of his life with his brother, Keith. He was also raised Catholic. Um, they went to church a lot. He was super good at sports. He was really good academically. He was in Boy Scouts. He played baseball, basketball, golf. He was, like, the ideal child. But we're talking about him, so shit's gonna go south. Literally, though. <laughs> um, so he graduated in 1986, 
and he transferred to the Southwest Texas State University um, on a basketball scholarship. Um, he was there for a little while, and then he moved to Tarleton State University um, and joined a fraternity. And then he moved colleges again and decided to go to the University of Texas and became pre-med and started working toward the MCAT. So smart, smart man. Mm -hmm. So on March 10th of 1989, um, Bradley Moore, which was uh, Kilroy's like best friend, like from childhood. Um, so Bradley picks him up um, after they finish exams and they head to Santa Fe to pick up their other two friends, Bill Huddleston and Brent Martin. And then all together for all four of them, they drive to South Padre Island for spring break. So they get there just before midnight. They check in at the Sheraton Hotel. Um, they go to the beach. You know, they're doing kind of like the normal spring break thing though their spring break was like kind of early so there wasn't like a lot of people there yet but they're doing just you know the the, the spring break thing you know yeah. what kids to go to beaches do um make everything miserable for the locals <laughs> literally i was like they met up with some girls like partied hung out um so they do that for like a couple of days um, and then they leave South Padre and they drive to they're driving to Mexico um, they make it to Port Isabel Texas where they run into a group of female students who were from the University of Kansas and they were also going to Mexico mm -hmm. um, so they kind of decide to like go together like they're still riding in their separate cars that they were in before but the girls end up like following them there if that makes sense yeah so they go to the border they cross over into mexico they party um they go back to south padre and then go back again the next day to mexico so like they party at night in mexico go back to south padre in the morning spend the day in south padre because they're not like too far away from the border and then they go back to Mexico the next night at around, like, 10.30. So they meet um, with some of their frat buddies at a condo party. Um, sounds terrible. That sounds uh, totally safe. <laughs> um, so they cross over to the border. So the border, the spot that they were at, it's a place called Matamoros. Um, and it's, like, a super common place back then. I don't know if it is still today. But back then, it was a really common place for, like, these tourists and these kids on spring break to, like, go. Mm -hmm. Like, it was considered kind of, like, you know, like, a safe area of Mexico. Like, at this time, like, that night that all of this happens, there was 15,000 spring breakers in Matamoros. So, like. Fucking up everything for the locals. Yeah, so, like, you know, the sidewalks, the nightclubs, the streets, like, they're packed with people, obviously. Oh, I know. Um, so they end up going to the bar with the shortest waiting line. So they end up at a place called Los Sombreros, um, which is cute. I'm, I'm sorry, the hats? Yep. Um, and then they drink there for a little while before wandering to the London pub. Um, this bar was, like, 
happen mm-hmm. compared to the other one. Like, the other one was, like, their pregame, and, like, this is, like, the party, you know? Um, so he, Mark, like, breaks off at this point. Like, you know, the party is getting heavy. He ends up talking to some girls, and they don't see him for a while. So around 2 a.m., they're like, okay, we should probably go back to, like, South Padre now. Like, you know, we don't have a place to stay in Mexico. Like, we should head back. So they walk out of the London pub. They see Mark leaning against a car talking to a woman. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, mm, you know, okay. Um, but, like, you have to think, like, there was 15,000 people around them. You know, like, so they, like, saw him over there, but there were so many people around that it's not like they could hear what he was saying or, like, easily get to him, if that makes sense. Like, there's a lot of people in between them and Mark talking to this girl. So, Bradley Moore and Brent Martin separate from the group, and they walk to Garcia's, which is, like, a restaurant, basically. Um, So they're just trying to get some food after drinking. You know, it's like 2 fucking a.m. So Mark's still talking to this girl. She, you know, leaves. And then he waits for Bill to, you know, meet up with him. Um, Bill, you know, runs to a alleyway to pee while Mark is waiting for him. Um, But when he comes out of the alley to, like, meet up with everybody, like the two getting back from Garcia's and everything, Mark's not there anymore. And so his friends are, like, looking all over the place for him, like, until, like, 4.30 in the morning. Like, they're looking long past when people are out on the street. Yeah. Businesses are closed. Everybody's closed. They cannot find Mark anywhere. So they end up crossing the border back into the U.S. because they think that, like, okay, maybe Mark couldn't find us and he's, like, waiting for us by the car. Because they also cross this, like... This is, like, a situation where you, like, you, like, pull up on the U.S. side, you park your car, and you, like, walk over gotcha. into Mexico. So, like, their car was on the U.S. side, if that makes sense. So they were, like, let's walk over. Like, maybe he couldn't find us, and he decided to just meet us at the car. Which doesn't really make sense, because he was literally standing by the alley where his friend is. But, you know, like, there's a lot of people around, whatever. They're, like, okay, maybe he's waiting for this by the car. Mm-hmm. obviously he's not <laughs> like uh they get to the park car he's not there um it's five fucking a.m in the morning at this point so they decide to go back to south padre they're like maybe he ran into that girl again or a different girl and like wanted to hook up with them or something mm-hmm. um this is also the 80s so it's not like they have cell phones they don't right. really have a way to contact him, and he wouldn't have a way to contact them. So, like, if he did decide to go, like, hook up with this girl, like, there's no way for him to let them know. But it, it's just, like, that also doesn't really make sense, because, like I said, he was literally waiting at, like, the mouth of the alley for his friend. Like, you're telling me he couldn't wait two more minutes for his friend to come out and then say, hey, I'm actually going to go with this girl. So, like, don't worry. You know, like... Yeah. It's weird that he would just not be there. Yeah, I don't I don't buy that. People don't just walk off, especially when you're in situations like that. Yeah. So and he would have had to have like the quickest conversation with this girl. Because like I get that they were drunk, 
So, like, it probably took him, like, more time to go in the alley and pee than, like, it would if he was sober. But, like, it still doesn't take that long. Like, it doesn't take more than a couple of minutes. Yeah. Obviously, Mark does not come back. Mm-hmm. So, they end up, you know, contacting the police and reporting him missing. So, you know, this starts as a normal missing persons investigation. Um this is not, like, an uncommon thing for this area. as Like, I'm sure, just like it is in Florida. Like, a bunch of people come, a bunch of spring breakers. Like, it's not really that uncommon to be, like, have someone reported missing who, like, shows up a few days later. Because right. they, like, went on a bender or something. And, like, made some bad decisions. So, like, the police were, like, taking it seriously, but they were also, like, not that concerned. They're like, oh, yeah, he's probably just gonna, like, pop up soon. Mm-hmm. Um, he was actually one of 60 people who disappeared in Matamoros in the first three months of 1989. So. What? 60. Yeah. Six zero in three months. Safe. Safe spring break destination. Right. So, like I said, like, the cops were taking it seriously, but also, like, there's clearly a lot going on. So. Yeah, um, I, uh, there's, I just. <laughs> you sounded like a balloon. Like, when you, like, haven't tied it yet and you, like, let a little tiny squeak of air out. That's what that sounded like. That's the only, uh, I just. <sighs> I don't blame you. Um, his case, he did get a little bit lucky, though, because, like, because he was American and, you know, like, not from Mexico, like, his case got more attention, um, than some of the local people who went missing. I hate that. Actually, I know that I hate it. I just don't know how much I hate it. I do hate it. It's, it's a, I have a lot of emotions that I just don't want to unpack right now. I'm it also playing with this light that doesn't work. <laughs> it also helped that his uncle, uh, Ken, also worked for the United States Customs. So, like, yeah, when, once his uncle found it. out, like, he really, like, got things moving. Ken was on the job. Exactly. Ken to the rescue. But, you know, all this happened, you know, Ken mobilized people, and on top of that, like, you know, that puts really bad publicity on them as, like, a spring break destination. Because, like, when the local people go missing, it's kind of easier for them to, swip, like, sweep that under the rug. But when but, like, tourists start going missing. Exactly. And, like, obviously, like, in the U.S., this was getting a lot of attention. So it's, like, it makes them look bad. Um, so, of course, they, like, the cops try to, like, try to cop out of it, basically. They're, like, trying to make all these excuses why they haven't found him. They're, like oh, maybe he actually disappeared in the U.S. And his friends are like, no, he didn't. You're a fucking idiot. (laughs) Um, So the cops end up, you know, being like, okay, we will work with the U.S. Um, So people from the U.S. literally, like, came over as a task force to, like, help them, like, look for Mark. Goddamn. So... Once they kind of get over there and the task force kind of, like, gets going in earnest, 
they like pretty much almost immediately realize that like this probably involves foul play like they kind of acknowledge like what i acknowledge like okay he's standing at the end of an alley like you're telling me he wouldn't wait two minutes for his friend like how that conversation would have had to be so quick like doesn't really make sense um so they're like okay you know it's probably like it's like Mexico. Uh, they're like, yeah, it's probably like a cartel thing. Like this is probably drug related, like related, or maybe like someone wanted to rob him or something. But like they were kind of questioning their informants and stuff, and like nobody was copping to anything. Yeah, which is like kind of weird for them because like they have a lot of informants, they have a lot of people cluing them in, and they're like, you know, we're not getting anything. Nobody knows anything about this. So this is where it gets a little bit weird. So, like, they're doing a bunch of stuff, right? You oh, know, yeah. there's... Because there's, there's we haven't who... gotten weird up until this point. This has all been completely fucking normal. <laughs> totally normal. Absolutely standard. Um, so, they're, they're getting desperate, right? Like, they're, they're not finding any clues. They've searched all the hospitals. They've searched the jails. They've searched, like, everything they can find. They, they can't find any sign of Mark. So, investigators... Get a hypnotist. What? Yeah, you heard me. Look at a hypnotist to see if he can help. This isn't fucking real. <laughs> so the uh, the hypnotist sits down with Bradley Moore, and uh, they do their hypnosis. Um, under hypnosis, Bradley Moore remembered or recalled or said however you want to phrase it um that he now remembers seeing a young hispanic man who was wearing a blue plaid shirt and had a visible scar across his face talking to mark right before he disappeared so like as he was walking to go oh wait, no sorry no he had walked to garcia's yeah that doesn't even make sense maybe it was like right as they split up because i just realized like he went to the restaurant and like Mark was behind, like, waiting for their friend who was peeing. So, like, I don't know when he would have talked to this random man, but maybe it was right as they walked away. Yeah. And he said that he recalled that the man had walked up to Mark and told him, Hey, don't I know you from somewhere? Um, Though no one could recall if Mark replied to this person or if this person even fucking existed. <laughs> So, and none of the friends were able to recall the exact moment or place where he went missing. Um, and so the investigators are like, yeah, we were probably right. Like, he probably got arrested for, like, robbery or somebody wants to, like, hold him for ransom and get money for it or something. Um, but they were like, no one's called us, you know, looking for money. So we're assuming, like, he probably got robbed. Um, and they were like, okay, maybe they robbed him and, like, dumped his body somewhere remote. So they ended up, like, hiring a medium to talk to his fucking ghost to figure out where he's at. Because that's the only thing missing from this goddamn story. (laughs) Honestly. Um, they ended up bringing in helicopters and terrain vehicles from the United States Border Patrol. And they, like, um, they dragged, like, the Rio Grande River, um kind of, you know, like, looked around some of the more, like, deserty areas and stuff and didn't find anything. So, um, after this, Mark's parents 
go down to Mexico. Um, and they ended up passing out more than 20,000 flyers. Jesus. And they also offered a $15,000 reward. Um, they were, like, very involved in this. Like, they met with, like, the attorney general and some senators. And, like, they, they were very involved in this. They very much wanted to find him. Um, this was even on America's Most Wanted, if you remember that show. I do remember that show, actually. Uh, March 26th of 1989, they aired an episode about him. Um, so this also got it, like, even more attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did have some people, you know, call in and write in with information, but there was nothing that was, like, either genuine or, like, was enough of a lead to actually lead anywhere. Um, so, you know, his parents end up going back to Texas. Um, but it was really cool, like, because they went back to Santa Fe where they were living, and, like, their community, like, raised a bunch of money for them to be able to, like, help them keep searching for their son, which I thought mm-hmm. was cute. Um, so the first, like, break in the case came on April 1st of 1989. Um, Mexican, like, federal officers uh were manning a like a traffic checkpoint where they would like search cars for drugs because it's so prevalent down there Mm -hmm. um and they saw a vehicle who like just drove straight through the roadblock like that's not gonna instantly make you the most suspicious person in the world Mm um so but this was like right by like an international border too so this person like gunned it through the roadblock and like gunned it into america and they're like okay no no sorry not from a other way around they came from texas going to mexico but they like ran right through the checkpoint ran right through the border and they're like oh fuck no that's not happening that is not happening here you're not getting away with that um but instead of pulling the car over they use their big brain thinking caps for the first fucking time in this whole investigation (laughs) tell me how you really feel about it um and they decided to follow the car in an unmarked vehicle instead um because they're like well you know this is someone with like drugs or smuggling or whatever like they'll take us right to their base or whatever you know Mm -hmm. um so this person in this vehicle drives to the Santa Elena ranch, which is just outside Matamoros, that a good old cult ranch that we talked about a while ago in the desert. I'm Um, not going to lie to you. I've kind of like low key forgot that that was a whole thing. And I, that's why I was clarifying back to that. That's why I was like, I I feel like no no one's going to remember. We talked about that, but we talked about that. It's, it's the, it's the cult ranch. Which, they weren't wrong, because he was keeping, like, shit tons, like, Adolfo was keeping, like, shit tons of coke and, like, marijuana and stuff at that ranch as well. Because, like I said, like, he was mainly running, like, a drug-dealing business at that point, where where this, like, girl that he put second in command, like, the high priestess, like, she was running most of the actual, like, cult part of it at that point. So, you know, the police stay back to, you know, not be suspicious. Um, the car is there for about 30 minutes and then takes off from the ranch, heads back to the city. Um, and they're like, okay, now is our time to like move on the ranch. Cause like the car probably had drugs in it. 
and they probably either emptied the drugs or emptied the money, mm-hmm. you know? So they, like, when they go to search, they find some weed, but not a lot. Like, he had hit it pretty well. Um, and then they also found, like, some cult-related stuff. Um, so they found out that the driver of the truck was Serafin Hernandez Garcia, um, who was the nephew of a local drug lord, like, in the area. Um, mm-hmm. But instead of arresting him, they were like, we should keep following these people. Like, they're kind of dumb. <laughs> we should get all the information on them, like, we can get before we arrest them. Because, mm-hmm. like, clearly they don't know we're here, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're getting all their information. They're talking to informants. They're doing their thing. Um, on April 9th, they return with a bunch of police officers. Um, they arrest the, the driver of the vehicle, his uncle, two members of the cult, and then the ranch's caretaker. So they arrest, like, a whole bunch of people. Pretty much everybody that was there. Um, they noticed, though, that these people were, like, weird. Like, none of them were, like, stressed out about being arrested. Like, they were all very calm. Like, all very reserved. Like, very composed. And they are like, that's fucking, like... Like, you're being sent to jail right now, and, like, none of you are stressed out, like, at all. Right. Um, they show these people the picture of Mark, and they say, hey, have you ever seen this guy? And the caretaker says, yeah, actually, I have seen this guy here. So they're like, okay. The, the caretaker saw him there. So he was clearly there at some point. Like, we're, we finally have a lead. We're finally getting somewhere. Um, they, you know, separate out the, you know, the other people. And the driver of the vehicle also confesses that Mark was there. And not only does he confess that Mark was there, he confesses that not only Mark, but several other people had been murdered at the ranch as part of the ritual sacrifice. Um, he said that these had been ordered by Adolfo Costanzo, um, you know, and that it was supposed to be for the supernatural protection for the drug cartel. Mm-hmm. Um, he thought and preached um, that sacrificing the victims were like it would ensure strength, abundance, um, keep them away from getting arrested or hurt. Um, and he also confessed that Adolfo had told them to find a white boy for him to sacrifice, like I mentioned earlier. Um, so this is, of course, is why they were there. That's how they met Mark. Um, because the driver, Seraphin, and the other members of the gang that he was kind of associating with um, had gone to Matamoros, like, with all these spring breakers, with the intention of finding one of the Americans to kidnap. Um, and this was likely the person that Mark talked to. Mm-hmm. So, like, even though that was, like, hypnosis shit, and I don't know how I feel about hypnosis, and it seemed like none of their stories really added up necessarily, not in, like, a sketchy way, but, like, in a way where they were, like, all hammered. And, like, none of them really remember it that well. 
Um, but likely one of them came up to him and somehow like lured him like closer to their vehicle or even into the vehicle. And then, you know, a couple other guys jump in and like pull him in. Um, and they had actually, so they wrestled him inside the truck and then they drove about two blocks away and then kind of parked for a second because they were like out of breath from wrestling this grown ass man mm-hmm. into their car. <laughs> and when they did that, when they pulled over for a second, he had, Mark actually ended up escaping and ran away. But a second car pulls up with even more gang members who threaten him with guns. And oh, good. he decides, obviously, not to run away and get shot. Um, so then, you know, they subdue him, and this time they handcuff him and put them in the back of their car. So they drove him through the back streets of the city, um, out to the ranch, of course. Um, they actually left him in the car overnight. So they get to the ranch, which was close. Like, this was not, like, a far drive. Um, and they go inside and just leave him in the car. What? And I'm not ever faulting a victim in any way. Like, nobody ever deserved anything like this to happen to them. But, like, that was a risk. They took a big risk letting him be alone in a car overnight. Like, I feel like there was ways for him to get out of that. Like, he could have broken the window and, like, made it out or something. Like, there was was a lot of ways he could have gotten out of that. Uh... So I feel like that was, like, a huge risk, but um, he didn't get out of it, so I guess they were right. I I don't know, I just feel like that was a risk I wouldn't have taken, but obviously criminals are kind of fucking stupid, so. Really fucking stupid. It amazes me that we have as much content as we do, because none of them are fucking smart. (laughs) Big feels. Big fucking feels. Um, so really early in the morning, like literally like just after sunrise, when the, the caretaker knew that everybody would still be asleep, um, he snuck out and fed Mark bread, eggs, and water, um, because he knew he had to be fucking starving after spending all night in the car. Um, so about 12 hours into his kidnapping, Adolfo comes to see him. Um, They end up wrapping his face and his mouth with duct tape, and then they walked him through a field to a shack in the back um, with, you know, he's still handcuffed. Um, Throughout that day slash night, they tortured and sexually assaulted him. Um, He was then led out to a field where Adolfo killed him by trying to cut off his head with a machete. I don't like how you said trying. Yeah. Yeah, it was not... He didn't do it well or professionally by any means, like old school executioners. Um, but also, if you remember, like I said earlier, they're one of the reasons that the cartel members and everything liked him so much was that he was particularly violent. Um, so I doubt he really tried to kill him quickly or professionally. Um, but either way, he did a bad job of it. 
Right. Um, we're not gonna gloss over this. Can we just talk about how you said professionally? Like ma'am. Well, like ma'am. Well, like in the old Ma- no the olden days, no. like the sixteen hundreds. Um, no, ma'am. No, that was a thing. Like executioners, like you were known as a good executioner when you like your blade was very sharp and you could kill someone like instantly, pretty much. You know, like slice through just once beautifully, like all in one go. Like they die instantly. They don't really feel pain. Our story oh. does not take place in the sixteen hundreds. Our like, story takes place in like nineteen eighty. I'm sorry. There are no more. It's definitely, it is definitely big enough and can be sharp enough to have done a better job than he did with it. If he he purposely did this badly to make him electrocuted him or shot him up with some drugs, I would 100% be with you on this whole professionally thing. Um, But nobody has professionally cut off a head since like 1700. In America. Ma'am. In a, I'm just saying, we're not in America. <laughs> we're we're in a whole different, a whole different world. Cause I mean, like, look at Iran, like, you know what I mean, like stuff like that's literally happening right now when they're like executing all these innocent people for like protesting and stuff. Like they're just killing people in the streets. So like, I mean, it still happens. Mm. It just doesn't happen like it used to. I'm just saying. But anyways, he did a bad job. But he it, he's dead. He died. <laughs> Um, after he died, they boiled his brain, you know, with the but why the ritual sacrifice cauldron. Oh, that's right. Thing oh. that he has. Yeah. I keep trying to forget that that's a thing, and you keep reminding me that that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. I wish it was not a thing, honestly. Um, his, he also was, like, otherwise mutilated. Like, they had chopped his legs off. Um, to make it easier to bury him. I don't I don't really understand how that makes it easier to bury him, but that was their reasoning. So I don't know if he had like rigor mortis or something and they couldn't like bend his legs, but um, they also inserted a wire into his spinal column so that once the body had decomposed, they could like just pull the bones out like a keychain. I hate everything you said. However, I will give them the smallest sliver of credit because, like, yeah, if that body was in rigor, it's really, 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 really hard to break a body out of rigor. Please don't ask me why I know that, but, like, it sucks. Yeah, it um, I've so... never killed anybody. I'm just going to point that out. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, so, yeah, breaking they... a body out of rigor sucks. <laughs> they, they dug a hole. They buried him. Um. So the the driver of the vehicle, the one who confessed that all of these things happened, pretty much, um, he agrees to take the police to the spot where Mark was buried, um, which they found because the ends of the wire were sticking out of the dirt so they could easily find it. Um, And then they explained, like, he explained to them what the wire was and stuff. Um, And he explained that what they would do is they would... um, like retrieve the bones once the body had decomposed and then the cult members would wear the spines as necklaces like as like protection spells essentially um i don't know why like i get it i'm not insulting their religion every religion is different whatever um i don't really see how murdering someone is gonna get you protection 
Because if anything, I feel like that just leads to some, like, like, it was one thing back in, like, the Aztec days and stuff where, like, a lot of times, like, being seen as a sacrifice was, like, an honor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it was, like, an honor for your family to be chosen. They would, like, take, you know, days or even weeks sometimes and, like, you know, feed them all the food they could ever want, dress them in the best clothes, like, all of that stuff because it was, like, an honor. Like, it was, like, you were dying to protect us and keep the people you love safe where like this like no you're just brutally murdering people why would their spirit protect you like why would they help you and this folks is how we have the difference between consent and not consent (laughs) yeah like i don't and like i mean i'm not even gonna get on that topic because we could talk about that for like hours um about you know old ritual sacrifices and the girls knowing about it and stuff like that. Cause a lot of times they were still very young, like 13, I, 14 and all that. But anyways, I think uh, you should make that a Patreon episode. Literally. Cause I could talk about that for fucking hours, <laughs> but yeah, it's just like, I don't it, like the logistics of it. Don't make sense to me where mm-hmm. it's like, like I said, like, it's like, why would someone's spirit after the grave, like do anything to protect you when you brutally murdered them and tortured them first? Like if anything, oh, yeah. I'd be in the afterlife trying to fuck up your life. Like oh, maybe. I would be fucking somebody's day up. Absolutely not. Over yeah. my dead body, am I... Pr- well... <laughs> Literally, though. Okay, maybe not the best phrase to use here, but, like, you get what I mean. Like, there's no way in fuck hell yeah, that like, I am protecting not. you. Um. So, April 11th, um, they took all of the suspects out to the ranch, um, and... <laughs> I, I kind of love, so I don't, I don't love a lot of the investigation that led up to this because I feel like if the U.S. had not gotten so involved that this probably never would have been solved or like very much would have been just like swept under the rug and not yeah. paid attention to. However, I do love what the cops do here. And it's not something that we could do in America, um, but oh, I no. really appreciate it. Oh, no. So they take the five of them, uh, the driver, Hernandez. And four other suspects, they take them all out the ranch, they hold them at gunpoint, and they make them dig up all of the graves <gasps> of all of the people they've sacrificed. Oh, shit. Um, and so they unearth 15 mutilated bodies, including Mark's. Um, they were all males who had been killed in a period of Nine months. God damn. Um, How much Mark, protection do you need? That's what I'm fucking saying. I mean, I guess it is the cartels, but like, damn. Um, his I, his corpse was identified um, via his dental records, um, because obviously, if they took his brain out, he was not that identifiable. No. Um. They found out that most of the victims uh, that they could identify had been rival drug dealers. Um, and Mark was really the only one where it was, like, someone random. Like I said earlier, like, seven of that one guy's family, or, like, the cartel that, like, went against him, like, six, seven of their family went missing. Goddamn. Um, so, like, Mark was really the only one who was, like, an innocent victim. Not that these people deserved anything that happened to them, because they didn't. But, like, they were involved in the drug like war and in the cartels and stuff like yeah they at least like weren't part of the scene mark was just in the wrong place wrong time 
Exactly. Um, three out of the 15 bodies were never identified, unfortunately. Mm. Um, they also... <laughs> Jesus. They also confiscated 243 pounds of marijuana. I don't know why I thought the answer was going to be cocaine, but marijuana works too. They did so find a lot of cocaine as well. Of marijuana. They also found 12 firearms, including three machine guns. Um, they also found 11 vehicles. 11. Um, they also, like, they found his, like, ritual cauldron thing. Um, and in that, uh, they discovered the remains of a human brain, probably Mark's. Um, a goat head, chicken feet, a turtle, herbs, a horseshoe, and coins. And all of this was sitting in, like, blood. Um, okay. So, but, like, love that. I almost said the symbology, and I was about to go on a whole Boondock Saints <laughs> reference. Um, but, like, the symbolism of those objects are contraindicating each other. Like, some of those things aren't used in what they wanted them to be used for. No wonder their shit wasn't working. Yeah, I mean, like, like, to do, I mean, maybe it has a different meaning. I, I don't obviously practice Palo Maomi. Like, that's not the religion that I practice. I don't practice any religion, actually. Um, So, you know, maybe stuff has different meanings for them. But, like, still, like, it, it feels very much like I just want to be a shitty human being, and I'm just going to throw all these things in a pot and say that it's magic. It's giving... Ugh. Not that, like, any of this was around when this happened, but, like, it's giving Pinterest witch. Literally, though. It's giving Gen Z witches hexing the moon because of TikTok. Yeah, like, I mean, like, don't get me wrong, like, I understand that he had, like, research into this, because, like, even as a kid, like, they were going to Haiti, they were studying voodoo and stuff, like, you know, he, he was very immersed in this, in this religion and in these practices, but even I feel like still. he mostly took over those practices, and, like, like, I mean, he literally ran a cult, like, you can say that, like, oh, okay, Christianity isn't that bad, but when you have Christianity being used in a literal cult, it's bad. Like, you're I doing bad things. I feel like he modge-podged all of the different spiritual influences he had in his life and was like, yeah, this shit all plays well together and it doesn't. Literally. And I think it was ultimately just an excuse for him to be sadistic and get money. Well, yeah, there is that aspect. You know, like, I don't think he actually gave a shit about the spiritual side of it. Because even that, like, even his actions of, like, when he got enough money he brought in this lady and once he like found someone who was capable of running like the actual cult like religion side of it he immediately passed that off and then had almost nothing to do with it like he was pretty much just a figurehead at that point and was just completely running his like drug business mm -hmm. so it's like clearly you didn't really give a shit about the religion because people who actually give a shit don't abandon it the second that someone else can take over the responsibility <laughs> right so I, I hate this man a whole lot so April 12th, um, they brought all of the suspects to this giant police headquarters that they have. 
and they did like a press conference and this was like big like there was 250 international journalists at this press conference god damn um so they actually even let the suspects like answer questions from reporters like it was a whole big thing um and these like suspects were not like quiet about it either like one of the suspects um elio which is the uncle of the driv- delivery driver guy um his uncle even said he was like i'm an ordained executioner of the cult and it was an honor that um adolfo himself was the one who killed mark and like it wasn't just me who did it and so like he they also showed um like their initiation scars uh i guess to be part of the cult they were branded with a hot blade in like the it's just kind of like an arrow type of thing like shape that was done by like sticking a blade in a fire and then pressing it on your skin interesting i hate it um But those marks were only given to select members who had the authority to practice human sacrifice. So he pretty much only gave those to the killers of the group. Um, then they do kind of the normal things. They have a memorial service. There was a big funeral. Um, you know, his friends were really upset, said they wish they had never gone, you know a whole big thing his funeral was huge too like his memorial had over 1200 people at it like this was like a big a big deal so and like i like i am not like like i can't overstate like how big this was and like his family very much like took a very mature outlook to it that i don't think i would have been capable of but props to them (laughs) what do you Um, mean both of them, like, publicly, like, his parents, both of them spoke out publicly and said that they weren't angry with the killers, um, and even said that they hope that if they go to heaven, that they end up seeing their son and that they apologize. Wow. Like, they were very, like, like, they even, like, his mom even was, like, everybody should pray for the murderers, like, pray that they, you know, see the light and get better and become better people and stuff. Like, they were very... That is what you would actually expect Christians to be if Christians actually were Christian. Yeah, that is very big of them. I yeah, I was like, they are better yeah. people than me. Um, and they actually turned all of this, like his murder and all of this publicity, like they turned it into something really positive. Like they turned it into very much um, instead of like putting it on the murders, like they turned it into essentially kind of like an anti-drug campaign of like, see, like this is what happens when people get involved with drugs it's not just like the people who get addicted and stuff but like there are a lot of like periphery people that get hurt in the process that like never even did the drugs you know what i mean i don't know that i agree with that assessment but like good on them for like really taking the high road on this one um they even met with like president bush about this like the original president bush the hw (laughs) one um (laughs) But, like, this was, like, this was huge. You know what I mean? Like, they met yeah. with President Bush and also, like, the head of the um, National Drug Control Part, like, policy. 
and stuff. So, like I said, they, they turned this into, like, a, a good effort. Um, and, you know, it was, it was a whole big, it was a whole big thing. Um, two weeks after the bodies were exhumed, the police went back to the ranch, and they burned it down. Oh, shit. And they put a wooden cross there as well. And they also brought a folk healer to, like, purify the place before they burned it down. So they kind of, like, tried to release all the negative energy and stuff from the land, which I think is interesting. very sweet. Um, and also kind of shows, like, how how much, like, superstition and spirituality and stuff like that, like, plays into their everyday lives. Like, this is the police. Like, these are the, the literal, the federal officers. Their FBI is who did this. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so burned it all down. It's like they even said, so like the Mexican government has never offered like an official explanation on like why they did this. Um, but like everybody's like, yeah, the like the police's motives were like supernatural. Like they were worried about yeah. all the bad juju and they were like, No, we're getting rid of this place. <laughs> like we're not letting that happen. Right. They're like, absolutely not. <laughs> And also, they said that, um, like, a couple of the police officers came out and said that they knew that this would really hurt Adolfo as well. So it also kind of, like, twisted in the knife for him. Like, not right. only did you get arrested and you're shitty, but, like, we burned down your stupid fucking ranch. It was like, just an you. extra fuck you to him. And I guess, like, he did get very upset. Like, he flew into a rage, like, good. after he found out about this. So, like, good for them. Um, obviously after this, they also tried to find more of, like, the cult members, um, mm -hmm. and, you know, just tried to, like, arrest as many people as possible. Um, I'm not really getting into a lot of that, because it's not that important. Like, they arrested Sarah, like, the girl who was kind of, like, the high priestess, um, and pretty much all of the other members. They arrested, like, a good, like, 15 people. You no, know, more than that. Like, closer to 20. Goddamn. Alrighty, editing Morgan here. Sorry if this audio's a bit weird. Both of my microphones stopped working, so we're having a great time here. Um, I It had been about four weeks since I had read these notes. I make a mistake when I talk about the next part, and I do clarify it, but I just wanted to clarify it beforehand as well, um, just so it's not confusing. Um, so there was the initial roundup where they arrest five people. There is a secondary roundup where they arrest like 11 or 12 or 11 people, something like that. Um, but Sarah Aldretti, uh, Costanzo, and his three stooges were not involved in this initial arrest. I mistakenly say that Sarah was. She was not. Neither was Adolfo and his three stooges. They get caught up later. We'll get into it. But I just wanted to clarify that beforehand. Okay, enjoy. <laughs> I do love this little detail though um so april 17th uh in mexico city they raided another one of his properties so like the ranch wasn't the only thing he owned like i mean he's a, a member of a cult and right. like, the, the member the the, the guy the, the prophet the guy <laughs> so like he had a lot of money and obviously he was doing all that drug cartel shit mm -hmm. um so they raided one of his other properties and they found um you know like a a ritual chamber and an altar and they also found a shit ton of gay porn <laughs> like a shit ton of it wow we really just came full fucking circle um so, 
I just, I just thought that was funny. I don't care if he's gay or not. Like, obviously, that's not a bad thing. I just, like, no, I just thought it was just so random. <laughs> this story just really had a little bit of everything in it. So, obviously, after this, they go around and they're trying to um, arrest a bunch of more of the cult members. And they did, they arrested, like, 12 of them. Like, not, not even to mention the five that they had already arrested. So, they arrested, like, almost 20 of them already. Um, but Adolfo escaped with um, Martin Quintana, Omar Orea, and Alvaro Valdez. And then he also escaped with Sarah Eldretti, who was the high priestess lady. For some reason, I thought she got arrested, but he escaped with her. So that's why they were raiding his other property. They were looking for him, and they found a shit ton of gay porn. <laughs> the ritual chamber with an altar. Um... And they also found, they didn't, like, find any blood or anything, like, any sign of, like, a murder, but they did find um, Sarah's purse, and, like, some of her stuff was still there. So they were kind of like, ugh, did he murder her? Because she knew too much? Because, like, women don't leave without their purses. Yeah, that's super sketchy. When they're, like, seen later, like, she's not with them. So they think that she's probably dead somewhere and he probably buried her somewhere in Mexico City but also some other people like the US authorities are more on the side that Sarah escaped like got away from the group but mm-hmm. like left her purse and stuff to make it like so people thought that she was dead and didn't come after her basically yeah. so they don't really know if it's like I guess I could kind of see it going either way yeah cause it's like I mean you could always like like, I mean, that would be a convenient time for her to dip. You know what I mean? I mean, I wouldn't blame her if she did. And then, like, that situation, like, obviously, like, the Mexican authorities were convinced that she was dead. So, right. like, if that's what she did, like, it worked. So. Uh, and just because she left her purse doesn't mean that she couldn't have still taken, like, important things. Like, she could have still taken, like, her cash and right. stuff. Like, like, just because she left her purse. Um. So, May 6th of the same year, 1989, Mm -hmm. um, they end up finding Costanzo because one of his, like, lackeys was buying supplies for them, like, groceries for them. And they end up following him back. They find him. Um, He opens fire on the officers. um, But eventually he runs out of ammo. He gets (laughs) impatient. And he orders his friend... So this has been about 45 minutes of, Mm -hmm. like, hostage standoff stuff. Um, And he's like, I'm out of ammo. We're going to get caught. This is bad news, bears. Um, So he orders the the grocery guy (laughs) to kill him and kill Quintana as well. Basically, he was too much of a bitch to shoot himself. (laughs) And so the grocery guy his name is de leon um he hesitated because he was like this is my cult leader like this is the guy i worship like i don't want to shoot him yeah um but adolfo hits him like in the like punches him in the face and he's like you're gonna go to hell if you don't do what i tell you to do um so costanzo then holds quintana in an embrace so the gay porn makes a lot more sense now. Right. Um, 
and Dileon stands in front of them and opens fire and kills both of them with a machine gun that they had kind of like stored up. Didn't we just say in the last episode, stay spooky but not so spooky, that you're a little bitch boy? Especially because this is like extra bitch boy because it's like you couldn't even do it yourself. Yeah. Like you literally had to tell someone to do it. But I think it's because... I don't I don't know if it's like he just didn't want to like see his lover die but then it's like you could have killed yourself first but maybe he didn't want him to see that but like yeah it 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 doesn't make up a lot of sense or to he's me. a raging narcissist and couldn't bring himself to remove himself from the world because he's God's gift to the world also like I get that he ran out of ammo but it's like if you also had a machine gun that had ammo as well <laughs> like it feels like we could have made this standoff last for longer than 45 minutes but okay right <laughs> Um, so, you know, the police come up, they find them dead. Um, you know, Dillion explains kind of, you know, like what happened. Uh, Cause mm-hmm. like, obviously after he kills the two of them, he like unbars the door and stuff. Right. It's like, yeah, yeah, please come on in. Um, he also confessed that he had also participated in Mark's murder and the other murders, though he was like. Adolfo did a lot of them because like he was a cult like we did these for a reason but like I was there and I did participate mm-hmm. oh yeah I forgot they do find Sarah when they do find her eventually um, she says that she she basically was like I didn't do anything uh, no. she was like I was barely even like an official member like I was just like going through initiation ma'am. even though everybody's like bitch you were literally second in command like, what are you talking about? Right, like, you're literally high priestess. How are you going to try to convince them that you didn't have any part in it? Yeah, and then she was saying that he was, like, holding her hostage in Mexico City and, like, exactly that. Like, she had left her stuff behind so, like, she could, like, get away from him. Where it's like, no, it kind of seems like you probably were just trying to make the authorities think you were dead. Yeah, so, no, like, it seems like you got caught and then got backed into a corner and didn't have a good way out. <laughs> Yeah, so all of the people who are not dead are in jail. They they all get arrested. They all get charged. Well, I hope they never know a moment of peace. <laughs> I was like trying to like skip ahead because I was like, it doesn't really matter. Their sentences too much. They all they all got jail time. Like mm-hmm. it was all you know bad. We don't really need to go through all like eighteen people, <laughs> um, and how many years they got, um. But I got caught up because the first guy, um, Orea, Omar mm-hmm. Orea, he uh he died like the same year from AIDS. Oh, it was it was technically the next year. It was February of nineteen ninety. Um, but he ended up dying like almost immediately. Um, everyone else goes to prison. Um, the guy who shot Costanzo and his lover, um, he went to prison for both of their murders. He didn't even go to prison for, like, the other murders. Like, he went to prison for their murders specifically, which I think mm-hmm. is kind of funny. Uh, he got 30 years for it. Oh, shit. Um, a lot of possession of firearms, drug charges, all of that fun stuff. Yeah, um, hitting them with a million got, one charges. Yeah, like, the, the majority of them got literally over 50 years. Like... Three of them originally got 67 years, and then they lowered them by 17 years, so they only had 50 years to serve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I uh, 
am just stewing in like inconvenient curses for them. Like I hope that their jail cell has a water leak. Uh, that when it rains, it like just drops one drop of water on the middle of their forehead every like couple minutes. Yeah, and fucking like Sarah, like she's still trying to claim that like she didn't do anything, and the only like she tried to say that like the police officers tortured her. She even write it. She she even write it. <laughs> English. She even wrote an autobiography. Where, like, she basically, like, just told all of her lies in book form. Like, it's, it's giving Casey Anthony. Like, she even tried to say that he was, like, that Costanzo had been, like, killed by police instead of by DeLeon. Like, it was, like, she was, like, changing shit that, like, literally doesn't even make sense. And then she got mad that the police, like, burned down the ranch. Where it's, like... She was like, it was crucial for the investigation. Like, it probably had fingerprints of the murderers. Like, why would they burn it down? That's so suspicious. And they're like, first of all, first of all, all of us believe in spirits and curses. Or, like, the vast majority of us. Like, we were just trying to protect ourselves. Second of all, clearly, they all got, like, 50 fucking years. So, clearly, it didn't make a difference. Yeah. Uh, I hope that she is going through menopause and the prison is denying her estrogen pills and it's just the worst fucking time literally like in 2014 um two of the other cult members gave like and these are people who like formally confessed like were very much like yep i was a part of this i did everything like they try to change their stories and say that they mm-hmm. weren't barely knew each other they weren't actually involved with everything and they were tortured to confess which they were probably just piggybacking off of what she said yeah they're like oh yeah that actually that sounds like a great excuse um oh my god yeah okay i knew i knew they like were the drug stuff but i like forgot that this part was in it here so like you know how i said like his parents like went and talked to George Bush and all this mm-hmm. shit. They were the ones who funded the Just Say No campaign. Oh, shit. That's literally run by the Mark Kilroy Foundation that they established um, to promote drug awareness, education, and prevention. Damn. I forgot, because I was like, I remember talking, like, obviously, I remember that they, you know, did stuff about, like, drug education, but I forgot that they were literally part, like, the people who made the Just Say No campaign. Yeah, like, one of the biggest anti-drug campaigns out there. Yeah, like, the foundation even has an agreement with the U.S. federal government where they get a million dollars a year. Oh, fuck. So, like, they, like, this was a big foundation. Yeah, that's insane. Um. God, they are so much better people than I am. (laughs) Honestly, though, that's why I'm like, these people are fucking, like, saints. Like, literal saints. Like, I, I, I don't understand. I don't relate at all. Like, even a little bit. And this, like, aftermath-wise, like, obviously there was all the drug education stuff. Um, it also was a whole big fucking Satanist scare. Uh, of course. Of I mean, course. it was that time for the Satanic Panic, so, like, I, I get it. I don't condone it, but I get it. Exactly. So, like, you know, they're they're sacrificing people and shit. Which, is like, also, though, like, when you look at it, like, except for Mark, every single person who was sacrificed was 
arrival of theirs. Yeah, it so was like, kind of feels like, like you're just making an excuse to like kill the people who get in your way. Right, like you made a a cult to an unidentified god to do human sacrifices to cover up your bullshit of removing rival gangs. Like Yeah, like exactly. It was like, a very convoluted excuse. Like I'll give it to you. It's creative, but like it's just convoluted bullshit to cover up the fact that you're killing off your competition. Yeah, and that that's pretty much it. Like his parents just continued to be the nicest fucking saints alive. Like I on the twentieth anniversary of their son's murder, they like went back to Matamoros and like thanked everybody who helped them and stuff and like I hope they're the, doing little great. saints. I hope um, she goes to Starbucks die. and somebody pays for her order. She died in twenty fourteen. I from ALS, which really sucks a lot. Hope that she's having a great time in the afterlife. Yeah, which I mean, she gets to be with her son now, if you yeah. believe in those things. So, I, and she clearly did. So, for her sake and what she believes, I'm sure they're together at this point. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's well. That was the only nice. Uh curse not curse that i had so i'm gonna go back to my inconvenient curses um i mm, i don't even know where to start with all of these fucking people oh yeah they're they're sarah terrible. i hope sarah loses a tampon in her vagina <laughs> hope hope it happens i love that i love that energy because you know the prison system's not gonna give off a prison system in Mexico? They're not going to give a fuck about that. Oh, not at all. Not no. even a little bit. But yeah, so... They'll uh, intervene when it, like, goes toxic and she's, like, half dead. If then. <laughs> if then. <laughs> like, honestly, she did not really deserve any intervention at no. all. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, stay spooky, but um, stop using religion any religion doesn't have to be just christianity stop using religion as an excuse to murder people i hope there's maggots in all of her food honestly all of theirs not just her all All of them them. they're all terrible people like there's a lot of moving parts like there's a lot of people i i hope that they don't realize it until they've already taken like four bites and then they realize that there's maggots in their food like in like in rice yeah. Like you eat like a bunch of it before you stare at a little too long and realize some of the grains are moving and they shouldn't be. That that's what I want. Yeah. Uh yeah, but y- you know the drill. Follow us on all of the things. You got a thing, we probably got a thing. Um you can find all of that on our beacons page, which is just bitches and murders podcasts. What else would it be? Um I hope that every single one of them has a pebble in their shoe but every time they go to take their shoe off to shake it out they can't find it so they put their shoe back on and they just still feel the pebble i'm just waiting for you to like text me at like 2 a.m <laughs> and just be like i thought of more <laughs> dude we all know that inconvenient curses are my specialty they are my bread and butter yeah, I feel like inconvenient curses are your specialty, and I just advocate for murder. I'm like, yeah, we should. They should just fucking die. Literally, 
I'm over here like, I hope they step on a Lego. And you're over here like, I hope a Lego impales their jugular. Literally. <laughs> Literally. I'm glad you understand. <laughs> it's fine. It's our dynamic. It works. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Yeah. Stay spooky. Stay, stay spooky, but not literally none of this spooky yeah none of this none of this is allowed zero out of ten would not recommend god i just remembered that at one point we talked about them sacrificing a zebra and a lion where the fuck did those come from all the rich people what this had so many left turns to the to wrong just wrong left turn to wrong you mean you weren't expecting sorcerers and lion sacrifices no no this cauldrons literally started out as a bad D campaign and then turned into like a bad like true crime movie yeah like, like genuinely no part of this made sense none of this feels like it should be real and it hurts my feelings that it's real and I just want to clarify a last minute clarification. I feel like I have laughed a lot in this episode. I am just clarifying that I am not laughing at this murder happening or no, any of these. It's just because it's so absurd. Exactly. It's so nonsensical like, and so like doesn't feel like it's real life that like my brain just can't process it. Like home dude, hysterical laughter home dude's title at one point was apprentice to a sorcerer that's not real that's not yeah. real life that cannot be real life like one day i wake up and <laughs> i'm a little bit sadder that i exist <laughs> like this really just so much just when i thought we've covered it all you just yeah. pull some shit out of your ass you know if I had a nickel for every time that I've mentioned the two, but it's no, weird I that have three. Twice, right? I have three, which isn't a lot of nickels, but it's weird that it happened thrice. <laughs> we need to end this episode before I have a mental breakdown. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, yeah. <laughs>